The audio from today's episode is from No Putts Given, our new weekly YouTube show. Check it out at youtube.com slash mygolfspy. All right, everybody. Uh, how do you like the new digs? Sweet. I dig you it. Liking the new, uh, new podcast it. setup yeah, here. Kick my that feet up. Hashtag, tra- hashtag cheese. <laughs> I dig it. <laughs> All right, everybody. So Rory McIlroy wins the RBC Canadian Open and shredded. He went off, man. He shredded the no. That was a lot of fun to watch. That's how he rolls when he gets down. You know what I mean? I mean, mm. three guys tied at the top at 13 under, and he just took off. Bye. Eight shot victory. You don't see many of those on tour, right? Oh, no, and it's not like he shot 65 and everybody else played bad. He shot a 61. Yeah. Yeah, on the Sunday, that's impressive. Yeah, so since 2010, seven-plus shot victories. Rory leads by leaps and bounds. He's got four of them. Everybody else, one. Like you said, when he's on, he's on. I mean, I watched him. He, he was 10 under at one point. He was on 59 watch through 14 holes. I think the only other person in, in golf in the recent memory that – when they are on like that, that dominates is obviously Tiger, right? Yeah. But Tiger has a more sustained capability of that, it seems, and Rory. But um, anyway, so this year, a lot of people and previous years, people are talking Rory kind of Jekyll Hyde. He's up, he's down, he's mm-hmm. here, he's there. Uh, you know, is he? Does he have it? You know, does he? Can he have that step on your throat mentality like Tiger? But you look at the stats so far in 2019. There's been 12 starts, two Ws, 10 top tens. I'm sure if you were on tour, you would oh, take, I'd that. take that. <laughs> you take that. <laughs> I would take that. I'd be rich. Yeah. So. And it doesn't seem like media is covering it like he's the hottest guy out right now. No, they're actually covering it the opposite. They're thinking yeah. he's. I mean, you hear him talking on the people in the media are saying like he's all over the map. Sounds like we we expect him to just win all the time because he's so. I mean, you watch a swing and you're like, I don't know how this guy shoots above 65 ever. Yeah, he led the field in distance. Strokes gained off the tee and the T six in accuracy. If he can do that again at the U.S. Open, I think he obviously has a chance, right? So he's going to put himself in contention for sure. Yeah, uh, you definitely don't want to be in that rough. Uh, so what's in the bag for Rory this past W that he just picked up at the RBC was a bag full of tailor-made stuff. Obviously, uh, we don't really want to you know promote that type of stuff because we know most of that's sponsored. Uh, there's not a single product in his bag that's not, but. From our standpoint, what seems to be interesting was his performance with the M5 driver and his choice of that matched up with what our 2019 most wanted high swing speed driver was. The M5 was the winner in our testing overall for that swing speed and also best in distance, which is Roy McIlroy, right? And he also was playing the TP5 ball, which is the second highest performance category in our golf ball tests. Uh, other than that, though, bag full of Callaway or uh, tailor-made stuff. Excuse me, Callaway. And um, you know, other than that, for those that didn't see, Lexi Thompson got a win at the Shoprite Classic. She yeah. also, <clears throat> yeah, she seven years in a row with a win, and she also got a win with a most wanted winner, the Even Roll ER2. And it's blacked out, matted out. Yeah. Pretty sweet. Yeah. So, other than that, uh, talking about the U.S. Open coming up this week. Who do we got for winners? What do we? What are our predictions this week? You think Rory? No, nah, it's not going to be that obvious. But I go Brooks. Brooks Kepka. Oh my gosh, that's like such a dark horse. Uh, yeah, just completely out of the blue, right? <laughs> Three of the last four majors. Yeah. So, what is the end. number one stat on why from Brooks Kepka and why you think he's going to win this week? This year alone, he's actually driving it shorter than he did in previous years. 
but his accuracy's gone up. Okay. So he's if he hits the fairways, he's he's gonna be still averaging right here. It's three oh eight point seven, and he's all right. 60. So you're going Brooks Kepka. Yeah, sixty two. Tony's probably not gonna argue. I'm sure he's going the same guy. You going Tiger or Brooks? <laughs> all Brooks Kepka does is win majors, right? Three out of the last four. Burnt the edge at the Masters. Would have forced a playoff playoff if it had dropped. Like, how do you not pick Brooks Kepka at this point? Do you but, think he gets a kiss before the round or not? <laughs> who cares like, he's just he's just gonna go out there and, and just tear up the golf course that's all that matters <laughs> who do you got i i got patrick cantley patrick you're drunk <laughs> <laughs> it's like 11 o'clock in the morning hey he was oh. <laughs> yeah, it's five sam, sam just mispronounced kepka <laughs> <laughs> no man i i don't you know brooks kepka he's gonna be up there we know he's gonna play well he did not play i think he played in the rbc this week i saw him not doing well uh, granted, it was not a major. Not a major. He doesn't give a damn when he goes to <laughs> regular tour events. <clears throat> and he says he doesn't give a shit. But I think Patrick Cantlay is the hottest, if not one of the hottest guys out right now. Eight top tens this year. He just won the Memorial. T3 at the PGA Championship. He tends to play really well in the in the final round always. He's got some good strokes gain uh, rankings right now. I, I think all he needs to do is, is close it out and he'll be in the – in the uh, you know in the talks with the big boys. All right, so we've got Kepka, Kepka, a misspelling of Kepka. <laughs> Come on, give the guy some credit. <laughs> can't lay. And I'm going Tiger, and my stat is 18. Okay. Okay, and he right. had a dominating performance at the That's U.S. Open stat. in 2000. So <laughs> you don't like that? Eric? I just is he has he won 18 majors yet, or is he going for the 18th? Just remember the number 18. Just, You'll uh, hear a lot about it after this week. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sure. Do you want to put a bet on that? Yeah, I'll put a bet. All right. Well, my guy outplays your guy. Yeah, but what are we gonna? I tell you what. Do they have next, to win? No, just no, you just got Kepka, I got Tiger. Okay, let's do that, and then we'll put a bet on if when we ever play golf, if you ever play golf. Okay. The other person has to caddy. Well, I'd caddy for you anyway, but. Okay. Well, we'll do something. Different. We gotta have a better <laughs> bet than that. Hmm. Twenty five. We'll think of something. We'll, okay. we'll come back to it. Let's throw some we'll let the around. reader. We'll let the watchers tell us yeah. what the bet should be. All right. So uh, let's talk about the rough. Big talk at the Open this week. It's always the big talk at the U.S. Open. It seems like tall grass. Um, somebody's not mowing out there, and um, it causes a lot of problems, as you can see. We've got a nice picture. And that's not even the half of it. Yeah, that's not even half of it. That looks like that's my the yard. That's first cut. I mean, that's balls deep right there. <laughs> it's it's. <laughs> It's deep. <laughs> that, is, that is balls deep. That is yeah. one way to put it. So the rough at the U.S. Open, every year we hear complaints and things like that from the people that play. And then you hear quotes like Kepko, which I loved his quote. Yeah, that's right. And he said, we've all got to play the same golf course. Guys like to complain. We all have to deal with the exact same issues. If you hit every fairway and every green, you don't have to run into problems. But Easier said we, than all, we all know that everyone – doesn't hit fairways and greens tony i'll let you st start on that one um for a guy that doesn't always hit the fairway and would be in rough like that first of all do you think you have any shot of getting out and second do you think that this is something that is just overblown meaning they should not be doing this at the open and it's pointless and you might as well just have ob stakes or does this actually show the ability of the golfer to be able to get out of this well i mean i, I think Every year it's overblown. Everybody's always talking about how bad the rough is. And then come tournament time, 
yeah, a handful of shots, guys can't get out or, or can't get anywhere decent. But for the most part, guys are able to get out of it. Granted, they, they don't get on the green from there, but that's fine. As long as the course is fair, meaning, hey, I don't, I don't mind tall rough. I'd play in tall rough. But as long as the greens aren't overcooked and they're fair and you can, you can land on them and hold on them and, and good shots are record, uh, rewarded, I'm fine. Let the rough grow. Who cares? Wah. <laughs> what do you guys think? Have you ever played? I mean, both of you guys have played in some pretty tough uh, tournaments. Have you ever played in a rough situation like that? Yes. Um, I've played in, so obviously I've played in like rough conditions in Lynx Golf in England, which is like US um, open conditions, the open in England. And that, I mean, you get wispy grass up past your knees and you just have to take your medicine and chip out sideways and then get it back on from there. And I've played in rough in America, which is, it's tall, but the rough is so thick with the Bermuda. I'm not used to that with the Bermuda. So Bermuda I've had to tough. learn after time. How do you attack that it. shot, Sam, in your game, in your uh, repertoire? You got that shot in the back? Depends on how far we are. You know, if it's around the green, you just lay that face open and swing as hard as you can. But if you're, if this is a tee shot, I mean, you gotta, you gotta look at what kind of trouble you gotta go over. I mean, it's sometimes, sometimes you're just punching out and taking your yeah, medicine. I mean, it's, but that's, I think that's the goal of that rough. It's to make it's you to, think. It's to make you think, Correct. and also, hey, if you, if you hit in the rough. Add so a, many add guys nowadays are playing almost like resort courses. You step up the tee box, there's zero thought other than pound it, you know? Yeah. And really, golf should be played where you have to think about every shot you oh, yeah. hit. Yeah, and the best is going to rise to the top. The cream of the crop is going to rise to the top, and everyone else is going to fall where they fall. All right, so the next thing is, which I think is pretty cool, Fox is going to be covering oh, the yeah. Open. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anybody's heard, but the covers they're having around this it at least sounds cool. Uh, especially for those situations where they're going to be in the tall grass or what they're calling penalty box cameras. Yeah, Tony, that's you'll be on you'll be famous if you were on that. <laughs> you'll be in arrow penalty boxes. So it looks like they're going to have a pretty cool view vantage point for the people that are in tough situations and lies. They're also going to have trackman on every hole. Yeah, that's cool. They're going to have two different shot tracers. They're going to have fairway tracers, augmented reality, which I just hope it's not like Fox NFL football augmented reality that that robot uh but other than that what do you guys think kind of a if fox pulls this off because golf is one of the hardest things to cover you hear about it all the time from a media standpoint it's the only sport that is so spread out you know you have cameras on every hole everything is not looking at one player one venue one little spot right so if they're able to pull this off do you think the coverage for golf moves in a different direction moving forward I sure hope so. I mean, that's like you said, it's one of the struggles that coverage has right now. I mean, when you and I went to, we talked about this before, when you and I went to Golf Channel, we talked about how many damn cameras they have to have and how much personnel they have to have. But that's the thing is you have to figure out a way to make golf exciting. Well, everybody, Tony, I'm sure you agree, man. Like just everybody on the internet, Twitter especially, during a tournament is bitching or complaining about something about the coverage, who they're showing, how much they're showing them, what what shots their types you know types are they showing? So, what do you think about the current status of the coverage of golf tournaments? And do you think Fox can change the way it's covered for the future? Well, I mean, golf is boring as shit to begin with to watch for the most part, which is why if you look at ratings. On a comparative basis, nobody watches golf compared to other major sports. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of upside here to do things differently to make it 
more engaging, more exciting, giving you something else to see. But if, if I'm going to talk about what I what I generally see as the biggest complaints, it's that golf broadcasts don't show enough golf. It's, you know, let's cut to the booth and look at two guys in suits talking instead of showing what's happening on the golf course. And I think if they can address that issue and then on top of that, introduce some cool new stuff. Yeah, then, then you have something. If it's just something else to sort of distract from the fact that they're not showing actual golf, then again, what's what's the point other than flashing lights? I and mean, I think noise? we're getting to a really fine line here is yes you, it, it makes you feel like you're on the golf course with the with all these changes going in when you'd be sitting on on your couch at home you feel like you're actually watching it um and you're actually live there so but what 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 point do we have so at augusta you can't use your phones and you you're in the moment you go and watch it and you're just there and you you take it in you're not watching it through a camera watching someone else hit a shot when you you know it doesn't really make sense so where's the cutoff? Like, where's the? I know we can't go to watch it, but if it's too much going on, I'm just gonna be like, well, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, I'm watching way too well, much. Well, I think that's different. I think that's if you're actually live at an event. Yeah, going to the the Masters, which my first opportunity was this year to do it. The the no cell phone rule was amazing. It was in a totally 1994 experience for me. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It was taking you back in time, and it was really cool. But that's if you're at the course. If you're not, golf is best made for people to take naps on Sundays at this point, the way they're covering. So True. you have to elevate the coverage to something that is more engaging, like Tony said, and more exciting. You know? But don't you think it's gonna be it's gonna get to a point where it's distracting and rather helping and it's distracting? Well, here's the thing. No one's watching right now. I mean so the you ratings. Try. I guess Tony, you try. Tony, you got you any numbers on any of the ratings lately? I mean, the only, so I, I checked after the Masters because, again, you have all this talk about the Tiger effect and, and what that means for ratings and things like that. Basically, a, a, a well-watched Masters broadcast is Sunday, right? Sunday afternoon at the Masters is on par with kind of a regular season top-tierish NFL game. So, I mean, we're not talking playoffs, right? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's regular season attendance, so at, think about at what that. is supposed to be the biggest the biggest event in golf regular season attendance meaning eyeballs from home but yeah it's golf just doesn't compare from a viewership rating uh standpoint to, to the other major sports and arguably you know if we take what we do out of it golf really doesn't qualify as a major sport in this country really yeah we're, so you're telling me it's going to go too far and i'm telling you we haven't even scratched the surface, scratch the surface on yeah, I get you. applying something that people want to even watch at this yeah, point no, I mean, and golfers forget that they go well i'm such a hardcore golfer i love the masters but the reality is what tony just said even the masters yeah, no, I agree is with that. a similar rating as a regular season yeah, i never NFL really thought it like that i just thought yeah. it could be distracting and too much for some people so we'll they see have, so they have to make it exciting for people that don't usually watch golf and let, let me ask you a question would you rather watch a shot without a, a pro tracer or with a pro tracer I'm a golfer, and I would much rather see the pro tracer every yeah, time. True. One, it looks really cool when Tiger Woods hits us. But I'm just, waiting, I'm just waiting for those you know, back to the future things, and you got the virtual reality, and you actually are on the course. Well, let's wait to see if we get to that point first. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and you if we do, I mean? then the consumer is going to tell people, right? Yeah. Um, but it needs to change. It needs to evolve. Golf needs to evolve. Period. So does the coverage. So um, that brings us to the next topic. You know, we were talking about fairways and rough and. You know, if I were to attack this course, I'd probably cut my driver shaft down to 43 inches. So I hit 
um, some more fairways, but talking shafts, you know, we just finished a shaft test for putters called mm -hmm. the stability shaft. And that brings me to the question of, is the steel putter shaft dead? So before we get to that question, I want to ask you a different question. If I were to give you an option to play a feather golf ball, a balada golf ball, or a pro V1, which one are you going to choose to go play flight. in the tournament? <laughs> Uh, you're going to go for a Pro-V. You're going to go for most up updated. Yeah, well, Top. we know that he's going to go with the XL2000. But, yeah, buddy. You know, it's interesting. Con consumers, golfers demand technological advances in every category from driver down to everything. And then when it gets to the putter, we found that, you know, these putters with these groove patterns like even roll and ping TR were helping golfers make more putts, right? And... People blasted us for the last three years that we were crazy and, you know, it didn't matter. But it does matter, and that's why you see every putter company now, for the most part, copying those groove patterns. Right. So part of that club is also the shaft. And golfers all the time talk about the shaft is the engine and the motor and all this stuff. And when it comes to the putter, no one gives a damn. So basically right now people are playing feather golf balls we're not even into the balada category we're in a steel putter shaft that does nothing so we did the test with the stability shaft right which is a new putter shaft technology odyssey also has something called the stroke lab and if i had to put money on it i would bet a few more companies are going to come out with similar things yeah i mean i'm excited to see for next year's testing you know every year we always see kind of a trend moving in the industry we've seen this groove trend and now more and more and more we need more technology and this seems to be the newest frontier so what did we find actually with the results did it help was it better than the standard steel putter shaft i mean tony you know we were talking about it on the phone and it seems like we definitely need to test it more for some guys it could be really good for some guys it may not be super beneficial um, but one of the really cool things was with Foresight now, we can track head data and ball data with the, the GC quad. So we grabbed one from the hitting bay and brought it over the putting green and, and collected data at 10 feet. And it was really interesting to see how the starting direction of the putts was a lot more was a lot more online than it was without the stability shaft. So if you have the stability shaft, you're actually starting your putt more online, on average, from 10 feet across the test. Plus, with, that tech, with the tech and the putters, it's only going to benefit you from from 10 feet and in right no 10 feet is you know where we that's tested where we tested it at. GC feet, quad yes, from yeah so um, limited we do data, that for but a specific we, we saw limited, some yeah. yeah we saw some numbers tony what do you think um <clears throat> you're big into tech obviously uh you've looked at all the data i don't know if the stability shaft is the answer for everybody right now but are we moving in the in a good direction do you think with the technology for putters yeah i mean like you said right you had the steel shaft since basically whenever and it hasn't changed whenever. So there, there's potentially an opportunity there. I can't say for sure that, yeah, you can make a huge difference with the putter shaft. Certainly, you know, what we thought was at least interesting with the stability shaft was that, you know, it's hard to say, other than the fact that the starting line was, seemed to be a little better in, in the data, it, it's hard to say that, yes, this is absolutely better. It's certainly not better for every golfer, but something different is happening with that shaft. Yeah. And so different different creates an opportunity right and there's a, a buddy of mine who works in r&d for one of the golf companies and, and he says all the time he's like look man with any new club new technology what have you one of three things is going to happen on an individual basis it's, it's, it's either going to be better it's going to be worse or it's going to be the same we didn't see much in the way of worse here so for a couple guys in the test it was better 
for most of the guys, it was statistically the same. But again, it's promise. And it's one of those things, hey, what, what happens when you get out on the golf course? Do we see something we didn't see in the lab? I, I don't know, but it's, it's intriguing. Well, That's, a couple things. I, I think you made a great point. The data showed that there was some change, right? And if there's change, that means that you can affect the results of how a ball face come in when you strike a golf ball with a putter, right? So if there's change that can be made, generally speaking, that tells me that there's a good chance that improvements can be made. And when it's it an opportunity, to, exactly. Yeah. And there's two things in putting, right? Direction and distance. Mm -hmm. And if this is helping with one of those, then, you know, obviously that can help. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, it could help, but what is, what's the, the price point to make it good point to make it that effective. If it's, Say you're going to have 10 putts and it helps one putt. Well, here's the thing. Great point. I think the stability shaft is too high price for the average consumer. But Stroke Lab, Odyssey putters, they come, they come stock. Bingo. Yeah. So as soon as it becomes available to the masses. It should drop in price, you believe, to, well, to add on? One, it will drop in price. But I think it's also going to be an opportunity for other people to go. If they're doing it, then we're going to have to. It was like Super Stroke Grips. First year we heard about them, and then the next year when the putters came in for most wanted, what did every putter have? Super stroke grip, and it wasn't just a. It, sometimes it wasn't a super stroke branded grip; it was just a bigger grip made by that manufacturer. That trend definitively happened though, because right. there was a leader, and it was showing to you know it was proving itself on tour, right? So, um, yeah, I, I'm just gonna add to that. So, the longer the distance, I mean, golfers out there they don't realize that putters actually flex the shaft actually flex. So it might be minuscule with degrees, but if it's actually, if you're like a 40 foot putt, for example, and you, and you have a little bit of kick in it, a couple of degrees can push it off by six, seven foot at the end. If you have a stability shaft, it's going to minimize that kick. In theory. In well, theory, at the end of the day, Well, at the end of the day, it's like Tony said, we may not have always seen better, but we definitely didn't see worse. Right. And I think that was the big takeaway from the test was that, there's opportunity here, but it definitely didn't. You don't suck if you put a stability shaft. You know, it's, it, you're not going to get worse. Yeah, and for those that but, aren't but aware, right? You're talking. What, what's the average guy? I'm, I'm ballparking here, right? But Cameron's 350. So you, you have a lot of guys already paying 350 for a putter. So there's a guy who's already or 400 now, right? Whatever they're mm -hmm. up to, 350, 400. Are you going to pay an extra 200 on top of that for a stability yeah. shaft? Putters, or, golfers won't even get fit. They're not going to get a putter right. shaft that's 200 yeah. bucks. And, and conversely, right, on the other end of that equation, if you're if you're you know buying one of our bargain putters, are you going to spend $99 on a putter <laughs> or $150 on a putter and then put in a $200 shaft? So yeah. I, no, I think, yeah. again, I think the obstacle here to even even people making uh, giving this a serious look right now is the price point. And in that respect, the, uh, the Odyssey offering... Uh, the Stroke Lab, again, little different technology or at least a little different sort of discussion around it. Yeah. But that's a more affordable option and it's easily accessible because you can go into any golf shop on the planet basically and find one and try yeah. one. So, Well, for those of you guys out there and ladies out there that are interested in what we're talking about, we just did the test on there. You can go on to My Golf Spy and check it out. Uh, there's the Stability Shaft, which was founded by Barney Adams, who started Adams Golf. And also the Odyssey Stroke Lab is another option. And moving on to the next topic, and that's uh, Most Wanted Monday. And that is, we just finished Players Distance Irons. Just published a couple hours ago. Yep, just went online. So if you guys want to see who won that category, 
go on to my golf spot now and it's on the homepage for everybody to see. But player's distance iron is kind of a new category, right? So what is player's distance iron, Sam, and who is it for? So player's distance irons is, you know, it's your stronger lofted players preferred look irons. So you're going to get a smaller blade profile, a little, little shorter blade length. Harry's raising his hand like he likes that. Uh, But you're going to get some of that forgiveness that you want in the game improvement iron as well. It's not going to be your Titleist MB or even your Titleist CB. It's going to be your JPX 919 forged that has a a slight, a little bit, you know, thicker sole and a little bit more of a cavity, but it's still going to be a compact head. So who is this for, Tony? Yeah, I guess uh, on paper, right, better players looking for more distance. And I guess, you know, if you kind of summarize the category, it's still Jack Lofts. Uh, I know a lot of manufacturers hate that term, but that's that's what we're talking about, right? Stronger lofts in a more compact package. With I mean, manufacturers don't like us to tell people what's really going on. (laughs) I know, right? But I mean, this is this is where we we tend to see kind of the the hollow body construction in a player's iron, right? A little bit of the goo filling on PXG and the TaylorMade, that sort of thing. So it is, in addition to like I say, smaller package Jack lofts. Uh, it also seems to be kind of a proving ground for new technologies. It's kind of yeah. emerged to fill that space as well. So <clears throat> Let's, uh... interesting category. I, you know, it, it's catching on. Certainly, the, some of the fittings I've done with guys this year, I, we 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 thought we were going in in one direction, and they end up with a player's distance iron well, because people kind of like this. the smaller head, but they love the distance too. Yeah, people don't know this, but you know, people love blades. Like they see a picture and go, "Oh my god, that's the best looking ever." I mean, what do blades make up Tony percentage of sales? almost nothing right yeah, yeah. maybe never, maybe five time. and it's not trending five. up players distance irons satiate yeah, that they still satiate the blade guy a little bit but even I was, though they're not blades but they're exactly and i would say they're trending up in sales well and i think i think too what's cool with players distance irons is what i see a lot of guys doing and some manufacturers or designing clubs to do this is to be a combo set so you, if you really mm-hmm. enjoy players irons, you can have your pitch through seven be a players iron, and then your, you know, six through four, in that players distance. I can give you yeah. that added forgiveness and added distance you want, and I a mean, little bit of extra let's, uh, height let's too. Let's relate this back to the consumer. What handicap do you think players distance should be? I hate when people. To? I literally hate when people say that question. Like when somebody puts people in boxes of handicaps and for clubs. Because here's the thing, you can put ten people in a line, and they all have the exact same handicap, right? Some of those are going to be strong t- off the tee players. Some of those are going to be strong putters. Some of those are going to be strong yeah, no, with I get their that. iron game. I get that. I've played, I've played with someone this week. and So it's less about handicap and what type of ball striking ability with iron player is this I mean, best for? I mean, I was playing with this guy and he's nowhere near should be playing a player's distance. Line. He should be a game improvement and the higher end of the game improvement. And I was, I was looking at him and said, look, you're playing the wrong irons. You're not. And he's consistently striking everywhere off the face. But consistently everywhere consistently that's my game it's consistently everywhere and how how do you get that across so do you say if you're a good ball striker you should be playing players distance because other people will be saying something different i think it's make sure you go get a professional fitting try the irons that we tested best with and then see if those are good for you as well well how i how i visualize it is stop saying it's from five to ten or ten to twenty and start showing a pattern on the face of this is your striking pattern with balls all over or balls tighter. Well, shit, that, in that case, it could be 90% of golfers could be game improvement. You're, you're right. right. Yeah. Exactly. So if you did that, so 
that's that's the thing but they might not look the, like the but look guess what you're asking me how to better suit club with yeah. golfer and what you just said is exactly what it should be 90 percent of play people should be should probably be playing. playing super game improvement to game improvement yeah but then when it comes to looks they bring in oh, i'm not in that category well but strike well, I mean, has difference the, the, the player's distance is kind of like way back right when we we like the first iron test we did way back going almost 10 years in my golf spy we started talking about like the emergence of what we called the transitional iron category, right? It was somewhere in between a player's CB and a, and a game improvement iron. And that's kind of where player's distance has kind of stepped in, where you see things like, yeah, you get a little bit smaller head, but you get a little bit more forgiveness. There's less offset than a game improvement iron with a little bit smaller top line, but you're not into that kind of player's CB thing where... I think it's a good know, they, category. They, Diminished margin the best for error, and you get more distance. I do not like that. No, I mean for you, I think it definitely is. I will never a play of... a players, and I will always play a players. That's not a plus two. But here's the thing: I'd rather people be playing that than blades. And a lot of people went Correct. from blades to that, which is at least a start. You know, I will never go back to blades. I mean, I, I have, I have a players distance and game improvement in, in my set. I got what do you got? What are you playing now for irons? Um, I'm I might be playing nine, nine. I don't know. This was the year that I wanted to participate in the test and figure out what was best for me. Um, and I really like the 919 Forge. I really like the Honmas. But right now I'm playing some Wilson FG Tour F5s and for now. Balling out with them. They are good. Yeah, they, they, I, and those, I would, Hey, don't be scared to say that. I could tell there was some reluctance to say what you maybe were Maybe the most I mean, just, underrated, underrated ever. What's that? Uh, the FG Tour. I mean, oh consistently God. going back to, I want to say, what are we on? FG Tour V what? I mean, going, going back to V2, that iron has performed with us well for us in just about every test we've ever done every iteration of that iron has just been Amazing. really good and part of it is right it's a little bit bigger a little more forgiving than most within the category that it always fits but and that's I what mean, i like about it is like i don't like those super tiny i played ping s56 irons when i was in college i gave them to my buddy and I, i'll go play golf and I look at them now i can't even look at them you know i've been doing this 20 years and when the, that takes us back to a point where 460 cc drivers wasn't commonplace right. okay and what i found was when the cc's were going up golfers literally would go like no 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 i'm playing the smaller head and i go are you an idiot like why would you want a smaller head and with irons just what you said just doesn't make sense to me. Golfers still want to play this super. Dude, if you miss, oh, you're, you're losing your distance and accuracy. Why I'm, would you want to play? Why would you want to play a thimble when you can play a player's distance iron? I don't. I don't practice seven days a week like I used to in college. I know all the forgiveness I can get. But even if you did and you miss hit a little bit, why wouldn't you want the added forgiveness a little bit yeah, if you, you still had workability? Look at, look at, look at what a baller I am because I'm playing this, Bingo. this tiny little thing. Bingo. So how many people on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter right now that, are, you know, hopefully see this and go, oh, God, that's me. Like, yeah, that's you. Stop playing an iron that's too small for you and not forgiving enough yeah, and I mean, not workable enough. Like well, I'm, I'm playing Strixons uh, 785s and well, 585s. Love them. Like if I miss hit one, guess what? It's going to be in and around the green and not into a, in, in the water or in the bush. Well, that gets us to the best performers for this year. Right. And I'll start off in reverse order. And that is most forgiving. And that's the TaylorMade P790. And that whole foam and the slots they started putting in, the whole Speed purpose. Foam. Yeah. The whole purpose of it was so that when you did hit heel or toe shots, you weren't losing 15, 20% of the distance and accuracy. Instead of the ball being in the bunkers, it was still on the fringe or skirt of the green, right? So that's a game changer for people. Massive, yeah. Massively. And yeah. So uh, 
TaylorMade P790, most forgiving iron in 2019 players distance. Number two overall. Yep. Damn good iron. Yep. And what was the longest iron this year, Sam? Honma 747, TW747P. It's a mouthful, but they're good irons. They're jack lofts, but they're long, and they feel great. They they rated really well um, on the test group for feel. How was the spin rates compared to that? Was it like just a minimal difference lower, or was well, it we, we had graphite We had a graphite shaft for that one. And I mean, I don't have the data right in front of me, but I don't, it wasn't anything out of the. So you could still basically pitch it and stop it if you wanted to. Oh, for sure. I mean, but that's the thing though, is it's like a cone when you, distance is like a cone. The farther you get out, the more mm-hmm. inaccurate you get. And that's what we saw. They're really long, but they're not particularly accurate clubs. Yeah. So Hone was reentering basically the golf market. Um, Tony, what are we knowing about, you know, obviously Mark King, uh, ex-CEO TaylorMade is behind Honma again a little bit. The consultant, last I heard. Yeah. So, technically a consultant. Never heard of a consultant that had that a, a much to do with the company. A few other former TaylorMade but... guys working for the company as well. So, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. I think they're they're still sort of just in that ramping up phase. Obviously, signing Justin Rose was, was their big hit for the year. But it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. I, I've said all along that I just didn't imagine that, that Mark King – uh, got back into golf in any capacity to not make a splash. So I don't know what the long-term plan is, what the trajectory here is, but I think this is probably just the beginning. Yeah. Uh, a lot more to that story probably uh, in the future. Um, but for now, he's a quote-unquote consultant for HOMA, and uh, they're back on the map a little bit in golf, and first we tested their irons. done in our testing, yeah. Yeah, first time. year in our testing. Yeah. And the overall winner – and that is the Mizuno 919 Forged, okay? And so they just won game improvement. Now they won player's distance. You think they can go, Tony, for the sweep in the uh, next iron category and get, go for a three, three-time three uh, winner? I mean, well, we got JPX 919 Tours in that next one, I would guess. So In the players, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, would, I, I wouldn't bet against them. I'd, strongest shot is anything, probably a little better. Uh, it's interesting to note, right, that – the, the 919 Forged was kind of right on the fence, whether it was game improvement or player's distance. We deferred to Mizuno, who said, yeah, we, we think this is a player's distance iron. It's it's on the bottom end of the category, so it's you know really consistent. Number two for forgiveness, had the best strokes gain value, which is how we, you know, across the group, I should say, which is how we determine our winners. But if you're really, really looking for more distance, it's probably not the best choice in that group. So it's it's kind of right on the line. Still just an absolutely awesome iron. I mean, but what else would you expect from Mizuno, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 when I was hitting it, it was, it felt compact and flush. Like, it feels like a Mizuno, is what they say. Yeah, it's, it's a soft feel coming off the face, but it jumps. I mean, don't get the, so they have the pro version of this one. It's like the, nine, the tour. 19 tour. Yeah. That, but that's in the players, correct? But they had a pro version. Hot metal, hot metal pro. Hot metal pro. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. was in that was in the super game. Uh, the players' distance as well. Players' distance as well. So don't get that confused because this one is obviously. I prefer this one to the to the pro. Yeah. But so the winner was the Mizuno JPX nine nineteen forged. Don't get that. And that's yeah. you don't you don't find that's kind of an interesting note. I suppose you don't find a lot of forged irons in this category. Uh, it does tend to be, again, right, once you start dealing with hollow body, you're almost invariably, with the exception of PXG, dealing with a cast design of some 
some sort. So the fact that it's a, a fully forged design is, is kind of unique for the category as well, which, you know, whether you should or not, I'm not going to say necessarily, but I, I know some guys are going to find that appealing as well. So it's kind of un unfortunate, you know, Mizuno's iron market share probably is not as high as it should be. When we pull our reader, they're the number one iron for our reader. Are they not, Tony? They are, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And like, rightfully so. By, by, a, by a good amount, too. Yeah, so our reader, uh, granted we have 8 million of them now, but for the most part, they are gearheads. And what that means is they're the most influential hardcore golfer in the world. And those golfers are finding Mizuno more than other irons. And I think they're making the right choice. Uh, I don't know the leader off the top of my head in this category for market share. What is it, Tony? Do you know? Would it be Callaway? I would wager it's the Callaway Apex. I haven't checked the numbers in a while, but that's a that's a reasonably safe bet. Yeah. So I think our readers got it right. I think the Mizuno obviously performed the best for us, and uh, they're the most played by my Gospel readers. So uh, interesting matching up there. Um, but transitioning from the most won in 2019 players distance iron to a, another new iron that's coming out that just got released today on my Goss by by Titleist. And Tony, I'll let you take that one. I know that uh, you have the scoop on the new Titleist gear and the names of them and uh, who they're built for and what do we got here? Yeah, so this was what Titleist does, right? They kind of throw things on the tour, announce that they're on tour, and it kind of helps prevent some of the leaks and, and some of the some of the stuff they don't want out from getting out. Uh, there were some pictures leaked last week, but basically what hit the tour, three new irons. We've got uh, 620 MB and CB. Um, not a lot of, of exciting stuff right there. Uh, I don't think much is going to change in the MB for sure, and not much other than sort of some cosmetic stylings likely to change with the CB. The interesting one of the three is an iron called the T100. And I think it's notable, and I said this in the post today, that there's no AP2, right? So we would expect Titleist following what they've done for the last several generations of irons. You would expect to see an AP2 on the tour. No AP2. Instead, you've got a T100. I'm told that will be the replacement for the T or the replacement for the AP2. And it's interesting to me that, that Titleist is most definitely, I can confirm this, moving away from the AP naming structure. Uh, so you're going to have a T100. Eventually, you're going to see T200s, T300s, and something brand new, a T400. So a completely new line from Titleist. They're doing what they did with the, the TS drivers, the TS Metalwoods, kind of changing the script up a little bit, refreshing the entire line, making it new, hopefully making it different. They need to make it more exciting, more interesting. And I think... Kind of the leak again. T100 being the notable one here is is you know at least a step in that suggests that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, I've got a uh, text thread between you and me, Tony. That we were talking about it obviously before this came out, but now that it's out, we can talk about it. You were like, AP is going away. New names, new models, not surprising. And I wrote back to you a new Titleist, and you said, "Yep, a better Titleist." So can you expand on that a little bit? What do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you go back, what are we, six, seven years ago, right? Callaway declared the five-year war, and, and we saw as a result of that kind of an ongoing process, right? The company sort of completely transformed itself from, from what it was. And I think if, you know, Callaway would admit, right, a company that had grown stale to something that is more exciting, inarguably kind of become the coolest brand of golf, right? Titleist, Titleist I don't think is 
is going to be to that extreme, right? Because, you know, there's a lot of tradition with that company that they want to hold on to, right? Number one ball in golf, right? There, there are some things that can't change, but certainly there's a different vibe, some new people in place, some, I want to say, an attitude adjustment of sorts, right? <laughs> it's just a, it's, it's a different company. It's a more accessible company. And I think kind of changing, you saw it with moving from nine, whatever D2, D3 to, to TS and now moving from AP to, to T series irons. It's, it's a company kind of quietly reinventing part of itself, I guess is probably the right way to describe it. So kind of a, a newer, fresher titleist. And it'll be interesting to see what what happens from a performance standpoint with the irons. I think inarguably with the with the drivers, it's a better product, a more compelling product. And so if if well, they were losing, they were losing a lot of the launch monitor battles, you know, uh, with the driver and they weren't wrong, meaning they had drivers that fit a lot of the average golfers out there. Uh, They spun a little bit too much for the, you know, better golfer, but at the end of the day, they made a good driver. They just weren't able to compete anymore in the launch monitor battles. And they are becoming a more competitive brand, a brand with a little bit of a new attitude. Wally Uline, ex-leader of the company, is now gone. And that domino, when that fell, kind of changed the attitude within the company. Would you not agree, Tony? Culture. Culture shift, for sure. Yeah. And we've noticed it with the people that are there, uh, how they deal with us, how we deal with them, the, the clubs that they're putting out there. And I don't think they knew really what to do for a little while. They were watching this Callaway company come in and just do crazy. (laughs) Yes. And Titleist is not one to want the highs and lows. They want a steady rise, right? And they probably threw some noodles on the wall that they didn't like to throw and they stuck for a little bit too long. And I think now they're finding themselves again in a more modern golf uh, market. Would you agree, Tony? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I, uh, I I think again they they needed to change the market share numbers right across the board. Metal woods were dipping. Everybody knows that. Uh, iron share is taking a hit. Still far and away the number one iron on golf uh, on tour, but not resonating with the consumer. Going back, you know, how many generations of AP now? So I think it needed a freshening. Freshening. And as much as Titleist has always kind of kept things consistent, right? You talk about Titleist wants to be a consistent company. Yeah. The, the problem with consistency is it's it's not very exciting. And so I think yeah. moving to a, just as simple as changing the name and we'll see what technology and what performance comes with that. But it's the idea now we have something fresh and something new in the iron category from Titleist that we haven't had. In, you know, yeah. I mean, I, th- I was thinking that the, the previous models now, were a little so. bit of a stale if that makes yeah, sense like traditional like, yeah traditional and that's fine for for some people but when i look at when i was growing up i was like oh titleist titleist is like so prestigious and cool. it's like and this brand get... that you know and love you know? and then as you grow over it's kind of like it's kind of it hasn't really evolved that much but these look badass like these look cool they I, I mean the uh the t series looks money and then you got the c the cb version which i'm guessing is the player's distance-ish but um, be a cavity back, just your standard player's cavity back right. I but we've got to be, be wrong i mean where but, did yeah, the, where I, I did the... guess the mb and the cb are, are kind of what they've always been and then mm-hmm. evolution and reorganization will be t100 200 300 400 all right so people are saying already you know we posted the pics on instagram uh, earlier today best looking title signers ever i don't know i mean that's up for consumers to decide if they are you guys can give I your like opinions it. 
I, I really do like them. I like how it's it's like not futuristic, but a little bit futuristic. But then it's just very like everything about it is just smooth and it just resonates Titleist. Well, look, looks are great, right? But how did Titleist just do in our iron players this is iron test? Not good. Nothing to write home about. I mean, it was, it's really interesting, right? If you want to point to, like, you look at, all right, the long iron, pretty close to average, and the middle iron test, pretty close to average, and then for whatever reason, and it's hard to explain these things sometimes, guys just didn't hit the pitching pitching wedge consistently well. Or, you know, good at all, really, I guess. Well, last time I checked, for the most part, every golfer plays with a pitching wedge. So we test the complete set. And it's, you know, it's an odd but interesting dip, but yeah, it was. I mean, and again, we we sort of count those three irons equally. Say, hey, you know, it needs to perform as a set. You don't you don't want to have a set where you're like, yeah, I hit the five iron really well and the six iron really well, seven iron well. I'm terrible with the eight. The nine's okay, and the pitching wedge is awesome. Like you you want no sort of dips in the lineup, and that's that's not always what we find when we test irons. There can be high spots and low spots within a within the same model where for whatever reason right one or one of the two one or two clubs we test just doesn't perform as well as the others in the set and that's that's what happened with ap3 is the pitching wedge for whatever reason guys guys struggled with it and that's that's a club you don't want to struggle with no definitely not and that brings me to the next point and the next section of the uh, no putts given uh video today and that is quick reader comment and reader comment came in and said, uh, do you guys test with the exact same shafts and all your irons? And Tony and I have heard this question, I don't know, probably 12,000 plus. Every single time you posted. 1,100 times. 1,100 times. I think I see it in my soft goods section too. (laughs) (laughs) So let's address that really quickly. No, we do not test with the exact same shaft in every iron. It's an incredible concept, right? Sounds like the most logical way to test something. Do it with a robot, do it with the exact same shaft, and let's say which, see which comes to the top. The problem is, that's not how golfers buy golf equipment, you know? Golfers don't no, go in and go. It's not, how, it's not how golf companies build golf equipment. Yeah, exactly. Right. And not all, not all manufacturers carry the, the same shafts well you don't go in and go hey i want the callaway head but can you give me that mizuno shaft and that grip from uh tailor-made you can't be club champion but how many guys are going to do that well we test the way the majority of consumers buy and until that number becomes the majority of the opposite way which means you go in there and get a la carte of whatever you want we're going to continue to test the way majority of consumers buy because if not we're doing a disservice to the majority of consumers so to the question out there and the reader out there, it's a great question. It's a logical question, but no, we do not test that way. We test the way consumers buy. And if anybody has any extra comments they want to add to that, uh, by all means. Just plain and simple. Test how everyone else. Uh, yeah, plays. I mean, there's the three again, right? It sounds perfect, and I'm and I always I always say, all right, well, well, which shaft do we choose, right? What there what's the go. right shaft because even even as manufacturers have kind of expanded their shaft lineups and we're we're getting to the point where there is a ton of overlap but you've got you may have one manufacturer that that has weighted that their stock shaft say is a nippon modus 120 right and so they're trying to hit d2 with that shaft and you have another company that's going to try and hit d2 with a lighter shaft so the head weights are different and so you've got you're starting with with specs that are all over the map and then to sort of arbitrarily say hey 
but we're going to make this one thing the same. It, it just, it, it, you make it sound, it sounds like you're leveling the playing field when you're doing that, but, but actually you're sort of just creating different variables. It's a great, yeah. the best example on how to put it right there. I mean, and a bigger, bigger picture point of all this is, you know, after, when we hit publish on any test, there's a treasure trove of types of comments. They usually fall into a few different buckets. You guys don't know what you're doing. You guys, you know, obviously got it wrong because the brand I play uh, didn't finish ahead. And here's how you should test. We get those quite often. And while we appreciate those comments, we do want everyone to know that we sit here every day we come into work and our job really is to think about how to test the right products the right way to be able to determine which products are going to perform best for golfers out there that is our job and that has been our job for a long time and there is a ton of thought that goes into these testing protocols tony and i literally for 10 years now going on 10 years have pretty much spent between an hour and two hours every day talking about this type of conversation. And uh, Sam now has been here for almost three years, I think, doing the same thing. Uh, our job really is just to make the protocols as best as possible. So we appreciate the comments. We hope you keep bringing them to us. Uh, but at the end of the day, we do want you to know how much thought and time and effort, energy and resources go into hitting these balls, collecting this data, and then analyzing the data that we put in there. So- Yeah, and I think I wanna to mention too, like. I, I don't know what the perception is universally, but I do know, obviously, from one guy to the next, you know, there, there are some things that people believe to be true that simply aren't true. And, and the reality is none of this happens because we just sat around one day and decided, hey, you know, we're my golf spy and we're going to do whatever we want. And so, you know, change made done. Every step of this process has been discussed with multiple golf companies, right? We have two or three big conversations a year with OEMs. I'll have a new idea. Hey, if we make this change, will it will it make the test better? And so, you know, immediately rather than go, hey, let's do it and see if it works. You know, it's it's emails, it's phone calls. Every change, everything we do is vetted by the by the golf companies. And certainly, not every golf company agrees with every decision. But there's certainly no decision we've made that nobody agrees with. Right? It's it's a process. It's ongoing evolution, trying to make it incrementally better every time and you know i think much like where manufacturers are with drivers with our testing we're getting to the point where it's 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 getting harder to to change the protocols and change the methodology and the analysis that to make it that much better because we're i think we're really good with most of our tests it's not always easy to explain not easily not always easy to understand especially if you're you're unfamiliar with statistical reliability and, and things like that but Man, we're, we're absolutely doing it as, as best as we possibly can at this point in time. And we're doing it with the help and the input of the major golf companies. So, Listen, it's hard to just tell people trust us because I understand that's hard to do. But at the end of the day, there is no one behind us doing this even remotely close to how comprehensive we are or how we go about analyzing the data. And I mean, not even close. I got a question for you. What do you think the equivalent of a one iron is today like loft yeah four iron two, two utility number two three. utility a two iron no in, an, yeah, in an iron a two iron's like 17 degrees uh, 17 but 18. a one iron back then back in 1970 I, I bet you a one iron was like 20 degrees 21 yeah, degrees i was gonna say about 19 to 20 
So pretty cool little thing uh, we've got this week for the U.S. Open. Jack Nicklaus, 1972. I think it was the first Open at Pebble Beach. Okay. And par three. Uh, there it is. So that is the one iron that Jack hit. So it's pretty cool shot. You know, 17th hole, par three, 219 That's yards. a long way back then as well. Oh, yeah. You had to hit a one iron. <laughs> so now what would you hit from 219? Um, five, six? What, Depending the on the wind, yeah. Five, five, five iron, four yeah. iron-ish. Pretty crazy, probably, right? Probably four iron. Yeah. So anyway, that's the one iron that he hit during the Open. And for you guys that are too young out there, Sam Harry, Tony and I might remember, but probably not. Uh, he hit this shot, basically super windy on 17, Pebble Beach. And actually, during his backswing, felt that his club shut yeah, down. Yeah, I heard of that. And fought the you know the swing on his downswing, straightened it back up, hit the pin, ended up six inches away for a birdie, one by three shots. So pretty cool story behind the iron. Jack Wolcott actually made the iron, was a reader of Mike Osby for a while, and not sure if he still is. And Don White, we think, is who uh, put the grind on it. Uh, we're actually doing some research on that to make sure that. But anyway... Um, I thought it would be cool. We have something called 99 made at my golf spy where, uh, all made in America, all made by hand and only nine of 99 of them made. So what you see right there on screen is a laser scanned hundred percent milled exact replica of Jack's iron. Okay. So pretty cool. Um, and we're going to have those available tomorrow here. Uh, it's coming out tomorrow. Yeah. You'll see it on all social media coming out. Um, before the tournament so we can show you guys what it's all about i mean it comes with a really sweet ball uh, bag tag as well um individually stamped yeah so, so yeah. everything is serialized uh there's only going to be 99 of them made they sell out pretty quick so the first one sold out in like nine <laughs> you, minutes right yeah you need to get on that sh that shit quick bookmark <laughs> that page <laughs> yeah so check instagram if you guys want to get a piece of history there and matt if you could pull up the bag tag too that comes along with it so Every ball marker comes with a serialized bag tag as well. And uh, this one is mm. to, yep, so PB for, you know, and peanut they're butter. all peanut butter and jelly time. <laughs> Look at those. It, it looks so good. The minis, Pebble Beach shines, just pretty, that's money. Look at that. Yeah, so they'll all be serialized too. So anyway, for those of you that are interested in the 99 May gear, that will be on Instagram. And other than that, what do you think Harry and I should have for our bet? Mm. Yeah, you need guys need to. Post comments and we'll, we'll take them in consideration. And Kepka and, versus Tiger, who you got? And see, who we got Tony. I know who you. I got. say a hundred bucks minimum. You got Patrick Cantlay though. So should we really listen to your opinion on this? You're gonna be whining when he wins on right. Sunday. So. <laughs> <You'd be right>. <laughs> <laughs> That's no putts given. What do you got to say to Tony Harry? Uh, stay hot, Tony. Stay hot, Tony. Until <laughs> next time. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>